Then we'll also be doing the Bible reading. And the reading tonight is Romans 10, verses 5 to 13. So feel free to grab out your Bibles if you have those, or it'll also be on the screens. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses us, blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thanks, Steph. Hello, everyone. Hi, hi. (laughs) I am so excited to be preaching uh, tonight, to be chatting with you, because The resurrection, when Jesus comes back from the dead, that's like the pinnacle of God's plan, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's the heroic twist that we've been waiting for. It's that point in uh, every action movie where uh, the bad guy is defeated and victory is secured. The resurrection is kind of it. It's awesome. It's incredible. And it is foundational to our faith as Christians. It is so important to what we believe as Christians that um, one of the biblical authors actually said that if the resurrection didn't happen, if that's fake, if that was, was, wasn't real, then our faith as Christians is useless. That is how important the resurrection is. It is crucial to God's plan. And that's why we have a whole weekend every year celebrating Easter. Because thousands of years ago, when Jesus walked out of that grave, everything changed. And so tonight, I want to help us to understand why. Because for us, this was a really long time ago. And today, we can feel more excited about chocolate eggs and a day off on Monday than we can about Jesus coming back to life. Now, to help us understand this, I want, to, uh, I want you guys to think about something. So sometimes in life, we hear people say, oh, I'm flying to Queensland next week. Or they say something like, I've got a really busy week at work. Tomorrow I'm flying to Melbourne and back in a day. And we talk like this all the time, like we have the ability to fly. And we know that when someone says that they're flying to Melbourne, we know that they aren't literally flying. They're not getting their wings out and flapping their way down there. It would be cool if we could fly, but none of us can. What we actually mean when we say we're flying to Melbourne or flying to Queensland is that we are resting in something that has the power to fly us to Melbourne. We're trusting in something that has the ability to get us there. 
And you can kind of feel that power, right? If you've ever been on a plane, you know that force that like hits your chest as the plane begins to accelerate and take off and, you know, like starts going up. You can feel it. You can feel the power. And it's amazing that this big, bulky thing can fly. We don't have the ability to fly, but we can trust in something that has the power to. And the reason why I am laboring this point so much is because we don't have the ability to clean up the mess that sin has created. The mess that we have all contributed to. The brokenness of the world to poverty, natural disasters, war, hatred, racism, loneliness, all of that stuff was never meant to be in God's world. And whilst, yes, there are things that we can do to make the world a better place, certainly, we can never fix it fully. We can't even stop ourselves from sinning 100% of the time. And the whole Old Testament is kind of, you can see throughout it, it's a big picture of God showing us that generations of people, they got a chance to, but not a single person could live in a perfect way and live how they were supposed to be. We can't help but make a mess of things. Even the heroes of the Bible have made a mess of things a lot of the time. So we can't clean this up on our own. But... We have someone who can, and that is Jesus. And that has been God's plan from the very beginning. The sin, the fall, that didn't take God by surprise. This this redemption was part of his plan. He knew that we would get ourselves into a mess that we couldn't fix ourselves. And that is why Jesus came and laid down his life. And that is what Good Friday was all about. Jesus paying for the sins of, us, of all humanity, paying the price of death so that we don't have to. And it's because of what Jesus did on Good Friday that we can have a relationship with God. We don't need to pay the price for any mean, unkind, unloving thing we've ever done because Jesus did that on the cross. That price has already been paid. But the best part of this story is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Uh, It wasn't like we just sacrificed one good man forever and then that's kind of it, humanity moved on. He raised back to life and with that, death has been defeated. We say that the kingdom of evil has been crushed and we all now can have eternal life. Now, you might be wondering, well, Ruth, you say that evil has been defeated, but the world still seems pretty messed up. There's war and pain and abuse and people suffering and starving, and chances are your life isn't perfect as well. And you're right. Sin and evil have been defeated, but they are still hanging around. Now, don't hear me wrong. Sin and evil most certainly has been defeated and there will come a day when Jesus will return and he will cast out everything bad and when that day comes, he's going to bring heaven with him and he's going to restore this place and it's going to be perfect and we are going to be so uh, filled with joy and so complete and living in harmony uh, more than we ever thought possible. But the thing is, When Jesus returns to come and cast out evil 
uh, for good, that includes everything that stands with evil. That includes all the people that stand with evil, the people who haven't accepted Jesus. And I really don't want you to get this wrong. This is not because we have a spiteful God who says, you know what, you didn't believe in me, now go to hell. That is not what this is about. Humanity, because of the sin and the brokenness, is already on the road to hell. And Jesus comes in and he gets beside us and he says, hey, I've got a way out. I have done this. I've been to hell and back so that you can have life. Come with me. All you need to do is follow me. Jesus is the plane that we need to trust in to take us from death to life. He is the only one who has the power to deal with sin and brokenness and to clean up the mess that we've made. But you might be thinking the logical next step is, okay, well, if this is true, then how much does a plane ticket cost? What do I got to do to get myself on there? And we find the answer to that in verse 9 of tonight's passage. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The ticket is free. All you need to do is to believe in your heart that Jesus truly did rise from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The cost is free. You don't need to pay for your ticket by making sure your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You don't need to make sure you pray and read the Bible every day or be worried that Jesus is going to kick you out of the plane. The only cost to you is to follow Jesus. And the best thing about following Jesus is that he promises you a better life than you could ever have without him. And once you have that ticket and you board that plane, there is nothing that you can do to lose your spot. You're not going to fall out of the plane mid-flight, or Jesus isn't going to see your life and who you are and change his mind and be like, you know what, you better, you better disembark, this is only for the, for the good people. That's not going to happen. Once you have your ticket and you're on that plane, there is nothing that you can do to lose it. Once you have accepted Jesus, you are forever his no matter what mistakes you make. But there are a few steps to help us get on the plane. And verse 10 tells us this. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there are three things that we need. The first one is to believe it in our head. The second one is to confess it with our mouth. And the third one is to believe it in our heart. And so I'm going to spend the rest of this talk going through these three points. So the first one, our head. This is our uh, external investigation of the plane. It's walking around the plane, looking at it, being like, does this thing look legit? Does this look like it could fly in the air? Or is it likely to just fall off and drop me somewhere in the middle of the ocean? This requires us to ask, is Jesus legit? Did he even exist? If he did, was he really the son of God? Did he actually come back from the dead? And do I like who this Jesus guy is? The first step of working out how to board the plane is to work out whether you want to board the plane. 
So what are the things, some of the things that you personally need to know to be confident that this, uh, that this uh, plane is airworthy and won't fall out of the sky? Is it uh, some historical facts? So I can tell you from a historical point of view that within a few generations of Jesus' life, the Gospels were written, which is remarkably quick for ancient times. Or we're told that in the book of 1 Corinthians that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he came back to life, he appeared to over 500 people, many of whom were still living when a lot of that stuff about Jesus was written. And that's significant because that means people who are reading this stuff, they could go and find some of those people and they're like, hey, you were there. Was that legit? Was he alive? Did that really happen? But maybe your objection isn't about history, but maybe it's more about the church. Maybe it's, you know, I've seen plenty of Christians do horrible things. The church is responsible for so much suffering. Why would I want to be a part of that? And I don't want to undermine this. I don't want to downplay this because I agree. We as Christians have done some really horrific things throughout the years. But God has also used the church to do some really beautiful things too. And I would hate for you to judge Jesus solely off the broken people who follow him. Because just because we are on the plane and we are following Jesus doesn't mean that we don't deeply struggle with sin still. I make no excuse for the horrible things that Christians do and have done, that I do and have done, but please do not throw away Jesus because of bad experiences with a few Christians. Come see who Jesus is for yourself. Discover him in the Bible, the things he teaches, the way he loves, the character of our God. See if this is someone you want to follow. But at the end of the day, you might work through all your intellectual objections and think, hey, look, this Jesus guy seems legit. He seems like a pretty good bloke, but I don't really want to follow him. And that's saying, uh, like, look, clearly this plane is all right. It's in good condition. It can fly, but I'm happy where I am. I don't really want to go anywhere. Why would I want to go on a trip? And I want to say to anyone tonight who feels like that, please, please keep searching. Don't be apathetic about this whole thing because the place that Jesus wants to take you is far better than the place that you are. The hope and promises of God are real and the evidence of that is in the resurrection, new life that he has for us and they are so, so beautiful. But thinking uh, Jesus is real is not enough to board the plane. Even demons and the devil himself think that Jesus is legit. They know who he is. They know he died and rose from the, get, from the dead. But they aren't about to go get on that plane. They aren't about to go and follow Jesus. So there's a few more steps for us. So that brings us to the second one, our mouth. Can you say that you need that plane to get to your destination and that you're going to trust it to get you there? Can you say that you trust Jesus and that he is your Lord? Verse, 10, uh, verse 10, 9 and 10 tell us this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This goes far beyond, is Jesus legit? Did he really live and die? Because this requires us to believe 
and declare that Jesus is Lord, that he is the ruler over our life, that he is the one who gets a say over the things we do, that he is God and that he's in control and he is the one that we trust in. Can you declare that? Because saying something out loud requires you to take a stand. Because you can think it in your head, but not say it so no one knows. Because this declaration says that without Jesus, I am dead in sin. He is the only one powerful enough to save me. I need Jesus, and I can't do it on my own. They are some pretty big words to say. And today, declaring that there is only one truth and only one way to eternal life is going to annoy some people. It's common today for people to say, you know what, you can't tell me what to do or how to live. I'm going to live my truth and you live yours. To declare that you are following Jesus is to, by extension, say to society that um, some of the ways that they say you find happiness and fulfillment and uh, joy in life is wrong. Are you prepared to own what you believe in even if other people think that you're wrong? even if other people think that you're weird. Do you trust Jesus enough to declare that he is Lord and that he is the one who saves you? And that brings us to our third step, our heart. This is the actual choosing to take the free ticket that Jesus offers and get on the plane. And the outward declaration that Jesus is Lord is very intrinsically connected to the inward reality. Remember the verse says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Words aren't just enough. Believing something in your heart requires you to take action. It requires you to turn to Jesus and follow him. And Jesus himself says this in Luke 24. He says this, he says, this is what is written, the Messiah... Jesus, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. We need to repent. And repentance is saying, Jesus, I've messed up and I've contributed to some of the brokenness of this world. I am sorry. Please forgive me and help me to live how you want me to live. See, if you believe something in your heart, um, it will shape how you live. Following Jesus isn't just a checkbox thing like, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, like done, I'm in heaven, great. It's a lot deeper than just that. Following Jesus means we will live differently. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you have to live different to buy your ticket for the plane. That's free. Jesus has already paid the price for it. But when you know Jesus and you truly believe in him with your heart, your actions will begin to follow. Now, of course, you won't be perfect. No one's perfect. We all struggle with sin. But the special thing about following Jesus is that he slowly transforms us into the person he created us to be. And he slowly uh, brings change in the things that we do and the way that we think. 
God helps us to stop gossiping so much, or he helps us to look out for people who feel lonely and who are going through a hard time, or he gives us the strength to have good boundaries at parties when people are trying to push us further than we're comfortable with. He helps us be more kind and be more selfless, and at the end of the day, what he's doing is helping us look more like Jesus and the person that we read about in the Bible. And that transformation is not because we're good enough or because we try hard enough. It's because Jesus is good enough. And he wants us to transform us. And that's because um, living that way is better for us. It'll lead to a more fulfilled and joyful life. We're in a series called Alive. And uh, each week, if hopefully you've noticed that we've been looking at a different martyr. People who have lost their lives because of the, they followed Jesus. They loved Jesus so much that, and they were so certain of the hope that they have, a hope because of the resurrection, it's evidence of it, that they were willing to die for him. Because they knew that, their, that the life that was waiting for them after death was beautiful. They knew where they were headed and they knew that they were going to be with Jesus. So the question tonight is, are you willing to trust Jesus with your life? For most of us, we won't face a literal death because of our faith. But there will be times where we need to trust Jesus and remember that we are on the plane to somewhere greater. Will you let Jesus transform how you think and how you act? Do you trust him enough to get on the plane and let him take you from death to life? We celebrate Easter every year because it's a reminder of the power of God. He has defeated death and he's proved that by raising Jesus back up to life. And he promises us that if we follow him, even though we may taste a physical death, he too, we too will be raised again at the end of time. We will be redeemed into a creation that there is no more suffering or pain or sadness or sickness or loneliness. A life where everything is perfect, where we are filled with love and joy. And Jesus wants you there. All you have to do is declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. You don't need to pay for your ticket. Jesus has already done that. You don't have to have your life put together or feel a certain way or look a certain way or think a certain way. All you have to do is repent and come to Jesus just as you are. And so tonight I want to give, uh, give you all the opportunity to respond. And the reason for that is uh, once you've heard the gospel, once you've heard this life that Jesus offers, you have to respond. Either way, whether you want to accept him or reject him or you're not sure yet, the gospel requires a response. So there's going to be a QR code that pops up on the screen now. And I would love it if all of you could do this um, out of respect for people who uh, want to accept Jesus for the first time and even just a challenge to yourself to remember where you stand. Do you declare that Jesus is Lord or do you not? And so there are four options on this form, and I'll go through them. The first one is that I declare Jesus is my Lord 
for the first time. That's for those of you who have never had a relationship with Jesus before. That's for those of you who say, yes, I want to receive my ticket and I want to step on that plane. I want to do that for the very first time. And I, can I encourage you that if you do that tonight, that, that's a really huge decision. It's a really beautiful one, and it's one that God wants all of us to make, and we really want to celebrate that with you. But then the next option is that Jesus is already my Lord. That's for those of us in the room who know Jesus and who have been following him and who are walking with him, and we're already on that plane. And uh, we just want to declare that again, say, yep, I'm here, I'm with Jesus, I'm on board with him. And the third one is for those of you who aren't sure yet, and that's okay, you, um, wherever it stops, if you have intellectual questions or you're just not sure yet, um, that's okay to not be sure, but I want to encourage you, don't stop searching. Don't just put it off for another day because this will change your life for the better. This is the best thing that you can do in life. So if you're not sure, then keep searching. And the fourth one is declaring that Jesus is not my Lord. And that is equally a big thing to declare. And if that is you tonight, I still, I want to thank you that you're here. Thank you for being here. And like Shane said on Friday, if you were here, I can't commend that decision. I don't think that's what's best. And that's not coming from a place of judgment or um, anything like that, but that's coming from a place of love. I want you to know that Jesus has a really beautiful life for you, and he wants you to know that, and he, um, he is calling you to that. So that's okay if that's your decision, but I will be praying for you as well that you will see God in a whole different way. So I'm going to give you a moment now to respond, so if everyone could do that while Josh plays, and then I'm going to come out and... I'm going to make three prayers. So take that time now. So guys, just to close up before I finish and we sing back, um, start singing again, worshiping our God, I just want to pray for you guys, for all of us in this room. And this first prayer is going to be for those of you who have accepted Jesus for the first time. This is um, going to be a way that you can do that. If this is something that you want to do, then listen to these words, believe them in your heart, and say amen at the end. Why don't you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of the cross and that Jesus willingly took my punishment of death. Father, tonight I want to come to you and say sorry for my contribution to the messiness of this world. 
Sorry for the times I was not loving or kind to others and to the planet. Please forgive me now and help me follow Jesus. I declare that Jesus is Lord of all and I give my life over to him today. Thank you that you have rescued me from death to life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just want to say, if you made that decision tonight, you have made the best decision of your life. And it's a really exciting and beautiful thing. And the Bible tells us there are angels in heaven celebrating that decision. So if you've made that really big choice, please tell somebody. Please let them know because they will be so excited along with you and they want to help you grow. But I just want to spend a quick moment now praying for everyone else in the room. For those who are already on the plane who are believing, I just want to pray for you to thank God for you, that he has called you and rescued you, and just to encourage you. And then my final prayer will be for those of you in the room who don't yet know him, if you're unsure or you uh, have declared he's not your Lord. I'm just going to pray that God will keep uh, revealing himself to you, keep uh, working on your heart. So please join me for these last two prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have paid the price of sin for us. Thank you that you do not require us to earn our plane ticket and thank you that you never ask us to leave. We thank you that in Jesus it's finished and we can have a relationship with you. Pray tonight for everyone in this room that calls you Lord and Saviour. Thank you that they will never be put to shame. Please strengthen them and help them to continue to love and follow you and turn their faces back to you when they struggle. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, Father, I want to pray for anyone in this room tonight who has not yet accepted their ticket to board the plane. I ask that your Holy Spirit will continue to show them the beautiful truth of Jesus and that they will see the life that you are calling them to. Please be patient with them and help them see their need for a saviour and to look up and find you. Help them to see you, Lord, and take the brave step of boarding the plane and following Jesus. Amen.